to episode 113 of the Various of Podcast. I am your host, Matt Harmon, joined live from the Vault Studio on the beautiful campus of Grace College and Theological Seminary by my good friend, my colleague, my co-host, and the man who is already in spring break mode, John Scott Sloat. I don't know about that. I don't know if I'm in spring break mode yet. What does spring break mode look like for you? Um, normally traveling. So, yes, and that's going to be true this that's time. That's going to be true this year, which it was not true last year. So, yeah. Although we had a shortened spring break last year, right? It was like three days, like a long weekend really. I, sure. I don't remember. Like <laughs> Last year such a blur. <laughs> such a blur. I don't even know what normal is anymore on so many things. But yes. Um, yeah. It, it was a short spring break last year because of COVID stuff, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, however, yeah, I'll be in Atlanta. We leave Saturday. So me and 15 students and uh, Brent um, our, uh, Brent and Grace College or whatever we call him on here. <laughs> Brent and Winona Lake. Yeah, Brent and Winona Lake. <laughs> so yeah. we're, we're taking a group of 15 to uh, Atlanta. Okay. Yes. Well, um, that should be a good trip. Atlanta's a fun city. Yes. Yes. Uh, we don't have – so another group is putting on our trip for us. They are yeah. scheduling us and we've been requesting like a schedule for a few weeks now, mm-hmm. maybe a month, and yeah. we haven't gotten it yet. We leave on Saturday. So mm. still awaiting that. And that can be frustrating. Although, you know, I had a trip to Asia one time where the group did not even n- recognized that we were coming until about three days before we left. So <laughs> this compared to that is just very, very different. Yeah. Yeah. It it can feel a little uh, unsettling, right? Oh, yeah. To, um, to, to turn the planning over to someone and trust that it's going to be in place for you. Yeah. Yeah. Given our mystery trip experiences where we've had to literally plan everything. Every detail. Yeah. Down to restaurants. Yes. Yeah, that we yes. go to. Yeah. I, I was telling someone the other day, I, I think I'm getting closer to the point where I'm ready to consider another mystery trip if you eliminated the COVID stuff. Like I don't want to have to deal with testing to get on the plane and all – and like oh, if goodness, we get to yeah. a point where you know mask mandates really aren't happening around around the globe and that sort of thing where things are essentially back to normal, I think I'm getting – to the point where I'm ready to consider another mystery trip. Where, what about you? Yeah, I consider it. Yeah. Yep, I consider it again. Uh, what I think is funny is we led – the last one we led was in 2019. That's right. And that was the last true one to happen. Yes. Right? Yes. Like uh, obviously last year's got, got – can- uh, 2020's got canceled. Right. 2021, I don't think anything happened. Correct. No trips. This year there's a domestic one over spring break. Right. Which I suppose is is mystery, but it's yeah. not it's not international, right? Uh, so we were the last one, and I remember being on that trip, going, saying, "Mystery trip twenty twenty, that's this trip," you know, because I thought it sounded way better than mystery trip twenty nineteen. Yeah, and uh, it was the closest <laughs> thing to a mystery trip yes. that existed in twenty twenty. That's true. That's true. So, all right, uh, let's get the. Uh, yeah, we, we riffed up quite a bit the, there. The particulars that was a little long. No, that's no, fine. It's fine. It's our show. We can do what we want. Yeah. Um, you can find us on Twitter at V and S pod. Email the show various and sundry podcast at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook and on YouTube various and sundry podcast. 
we would love for you to leave a five-star rating and a lovely review would be nice as well. Yeah, a lovely review. Five-star. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I mean, only the best for mm-hmm. for us here. So, all right, John, let's uh, let's jump into the world of sports. Um, Crickets. Yeah, not not as much going on. We're we're a little bit in the lull here. Um, I mean, the NBA is resuming from its All Star break, um, and uh, you know, college basketball is starting to ramp up next. Not, so not this upcoming week, but it's the following week. That's conference tournaments, and that's mm-hmm. that's when it kind of feels like that's when it starts. March for me. Madness yeah. has arrived. Yeah. Um, but this weekend, interestingly enough. Uh, Seven top ten teams lost. A lot of parity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Should so be fun. Y- you would think that that makes for a good wide open NCAA tournament coming up. And and speaking of which, we have breaking news. Yeah, we do have our uh, yearly second year in a row, third attempted year in a row. Yeah, I mean, we would have done it in 2020, except for the fact that. COVID took out the tournament. Yeah. So we are doing our bracket challenge again for pod listeners. If you were a part of it last year, I think I sent you an email this morning or Monday morning, since this drops on Tuesday, inviting you back. But we will put the link in the show notes uh, to uh, the bracket. Um, Invite whoever you want, really. Yeah. We had how many participate last year? I think it was like 32. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. Um, and re- remind me who won last year? I believe I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I, I won. Um, <laughs> Which kind of undercut the, hey, whoever wins will get a signed copy of one of Doc's books when yeah. you have all my books. Uh, signed copies. Yeah. Yeah. Also. <laughs> so. Um, <laughs> um, so if you want to join, uh, you can either follow the link in the show notes. We'll, we'll put it in there for you. And we might even throw it up on social media as well. Yeah. We can do that. Uh, and then uh, the password, if you want to, if you want to get into it, is V and S Pod, capital V, capital S, the word and V and S Pod. Okay. Uh, and then the group itself is just called Various and Sundry Podcast. Okay. So if you need to, if you're going on the Yahoo website searching it, you can search it that way too. Excellent, excellent. Okay. Um. Also in college basketball news, uh, Grace Men's Basketball. Yes. Beat Indiana Wesleyan. Yes, and so uh, when this episode drops, it'll be game day for the Grace Men as they will play for the uh, Crossroads League Championship at Marion University in Indianapolis. Uh, I will be there. Oh, you're going? I'm going. Yes. Really? Yeah. Why is that? Just to support the the guys? Yeah, it'll be a fun day. Okay, fun trip. Okay, um, taking my youngest son with me. Sure, I assume so. Yeah, and. Our oldest son, my oldest son, lives oh, yeah. in the Indianapolis area, so he's going to meet us at the game. So, Okay. Yeah. Should be fun. Very nice. Any? How is Marion's gym? I've never been there. Okay. Anytime I go to a Cross League Roads gym, it always feels like I'm, I'm unimpressed. Like, Yeah. I, I can't say that I've been to um, many of them. I've seen a number of them like on live streams. Yeah. Uh, but – I don't think there's any question we have the nicest arena in the league. Yeah, I think that's right. So um, Bethel's is pretty good. Yeah, it's all right. Uh, Goshen's is just weird. Have you ever been to Goshen's? Yeah, that's a weird arena. Well, right, because it's 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 just their like student rec center, and they roll out bleachers halfway through. Yeah, and there's a big fan. Have you seen that giant fan yeah. in there? I mean, yeah, my goodness. Spring Arbor is sort of the same way. 
Uh, I've never been to Spring Arbor. But they do yeah. theirs a little differently. So it feels more like a um, like an actual gym. So – but yeah, I'm curious to see what the Marion gym looks like. Uh, I'm sure in light of this part of the episode, we will get some significant feedback from Nate in Ohio who has been to all of the Crossroads leagues. I'm sure he'll have a ranking uh, for us. Yes, yeah. I'm sure he will, will come through in the clutch there for us. So um, – I assume we're going to offer, though, we're going to offer a signed copy of one of my books. That sounds like it's up to you <laughs> as the author of the book. I mean, we're, we're sitting in the largest – in the room where the largest private collection of my books other than my own yeah. uh, exists. So we could probably snag one of those. What did we give away last year or what were we going to give away last year? I think it was up to the up to the listener. OK. I mean, the only thing the only thing that's come out since then has been the Galatians commentary. So that's a new – option there. That'd be a wrinkle. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, sweet. So, yeah, uh, we'll, we'll keep talking about that, but you can go ahead and sign up now, even though the brackets won't be released for another, for another two weeks. Yeah. Um, and then base- talk, yeah, talk some Major League Baseball. Yeah. So, Monday uh, was the deadline. It's weird to say that since we're recording in Monday, but this yeah. drops Tuesday. Uh, the owners have sort of, that's the line in the sand uh, of when uh, if there's not a deal done, we lose regular season games. Uh, the players have called that a soft deadline. Okay. And I'm willing to bet it's more of a soft deadline. Like if they got a deal done Wednesday, mm-hmm. I'm willing to bet they could – I think games are supposed to start like March 31st or April 1st. Okay. But they would get the game started by yeah. then. I think they would still figure it out. And I have not followed how the negotiations are going. Is there any indication that they're even close? They're um, meeting. Okay. I mean, they met three times yesterday, and they're caucusing. <laughs> That's a word that was thrown out a lot okay. in the last couple of days where, like, there'd be a proposal. The two groups would separate to their side of the room and discuss, okay. and they come back together and discuss more. So the, that at least feels like progress. Uh-huh. Um, I don't think anybody wants to lose the regular season or lose regular season games. Yeah. But I think they're willing to. I think both sides are willing to. Yeah. So a lot of it has to do with economics and competitive balance taxing and all sorts of stuff. And okay, yeah, yeah. And is there any talk about um, salary cap? Players won't allow a salary cap. The question is the uh, luxury tax. The players argue that the luxury tax. Are you familiar with the luxury Mm -hmm. tax? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Basically, if they for our listeners out there, they if they exceed that, they got to pay a tax to the league. Right. So. The league sets a number of arbitrarily, let's say, $400 million or something like that. Yep. And if a team spends more than that on payroll, they pay a tax to the league on the overage. That's right. So the players argue that's a functional salary cap, and they really want to raise that ceiling. Mm-hmm. Um, however, owners don't, you know, particularly small market owners, don't want to raise that ceiling. So right. there's a lot of – Right, because they, they, they don't have the money to get to the maximum, to, to max out on their salaries, right? Basically. That's their, that's their argument. That's their I, don't argument. Know, I don't know if that's true. They, they make the case that running a major league team isn't that profitable. Like you don't get a lot of cash. Mm-hmm. Like the team may grow in value over time, but you don't get that much dollar. You don't generate a lot of revenue. Yeah, that's their argument. And players, players have said, that's a load of crap, basically. <laughs> basically. Um, so. But doesn't most of the revenue come from television rights? Yes. Yes, I believe so. And merchandise sales and that sort of thing. Because I feel like when I do happen upon baseball games on television, 
it feels rare except for postseason that the stands are full or even when I see highlights on Sports Center yeah that a lot of these games are being played in a, in in a, in stadiums that are half full yeah and I think most owners make their money off postseason television but they spread it between all the owners I believe all that okay. postseason television money gotcha okay yeah what a world what a world I are, are you optimistic they'll figure it out relatively quickly? No, I'm not. So you think it's going to I had been up until up until this week and Okay. Uh yeah, I don't know that I have a lot of confidence. Yeah. They yeah. just don't seem very close to me. Okay. All right. Well, we'll be keeping an eye on that. Speaking of things we're keeping an eye on, there's no oh. easy way to make this transition. So, yeah. we're going to move from things that in this grand scheme of eternity don't mean a lot probably to things that are far weightier. And Mm -hmm. um, I think all of us have probably to some degree been following the events unfolding in the Ukraine. And, um, you know, I think we should reiterate, though people I'm sure don't expect this from us, but we are not experts in geopolitics. And no, so, no. You know, we 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 are not going to discuss what the U.S. should or should not be doing, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, because, quite frankly, I feel like I don't I don't know enough to 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 enter in intelligently into those conversations. Yeah, and all possibilities seem really like like they all have serious potential drawbacks. Yeah. You know, yeah. and it's like picking the worst of all options. You know. Yeah, and I will say. Um, one thing that shows uh, a, a disappointing element of our current culture here in the U.S. is how the moment that the Russians began invading the Ukraine, that it felt like people from both sides, really extremes of the political expe- spectrum, simply saw this event through the lens of whatever their particular political and cultural Absolutely. are yeah. and tried to fit it into their narrative of, see, this proves that when I, – I would just suggest maybe a, a, a wiser response would be, this is awful yeah, and we should pray. Absolutely. And see if there's ways that we can encourage and help uh, our brothers and sisters. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's just – there, there was a Twitter thread that a guy in the UK did where he was just pulling in what whenever when people did that or, or was like, oh, really the the Russian invasion of Ukraine is about abortion, or yes. really the Russian invasion of Ukraine is about anti-abortion, yeah. or you know, you yeah, know, go, I saw that thread. It's great. It's in the sense of like exposing the ridiculousness, of, and it, it's you know both funny and really sad uh, that that thread exists. Yeah. It's like 26 or 27 points yeah. long. Yeah. This sh- shows it's about white supremacy. This shows it's about CRT. Like, yeah. <laughs> or maybe it's just about Russia. Yeah. I mean, maybe it has very little, if anything, to do with our political and cultural issues. Yeah. So what are some thoughts you've had uh, just as you've been, I'm, I'm sure – Refreshing Twitter and the news. What mm-hmm. what is what is sort of your reflections been through all of this? Yeah, it's been. Um, I mean, it's just been sobering to to um, to think about the loss of life. Yeah, to think about um, just the 
the instability it creates in our world. But ultimately, just to think about the suffering mm-hmm. and thinking about you know, hearing reports from pastors, uh, you know, hearing one report of a guy on a Saturday night saying, well, I'm still prepping to preach. If my church is there tomorrow morning, I'm going in and I'm preaching, you know. Yeah. It could be entirely blown up. Who knows? But like, oh, gosh, yeah, I, I'm going to preach tomorrow and anybody who can make it, I'm, I'm going to preach to them and care for them and love them and, you know, those kinds of things. Um, as well as missionaries deciding mm-hmm. to stay. And, and again, I think that's a difficult, you know, kind of calculus to figure out. I don't think there's a one size fits all answer to that. Sure. So I'm not in any way denigrating those who leave the country. But uh, also wanting to admire those who are willing to stay and um, wanting to just continue to pray. That, that can feel so helpless in a lot of ways. But um, you know, if God is the one who can move the hearts of kings, he can move the heart of a, of a man like Vladimir Putin mm-hmm. and move him to stop and pull back. Yeah. So you just hope that maybe the Lord will answer that. What yeah. about you? What are, what are some of the thoughts that have been unfolding for you? Yeah, thinking a lot about Psalm 2, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, the one who sits in heaven, you know, why do the nations rage and, mm-hmm. and the one who sits in heaven laughs and that that um, God is ultimately fulfilling his purposes uh, through everything that's happening. Um, but uh, I also try to remember that that this, like what we've experienced probably over the last 30 or 40 years of relative stability in the world mm-hmm. is not the norm for human history. Yeah. Uh, that the norm throughout human history has been invasion, land grabs, all, all sorts of things. And uh, that by far is the norm. Yeah. So that's yeah. one thing. I mean, in, in addition to what you said, I saw that thread of the pastor going like, if my church is there tomorrow, I'll go preach. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah. Not something we, a calculus we make necessarily. No, no. Um, and I, I do think this is where the the sort of transnational, transcultural unity of the body of Christ is something that uh, reemerges in these kinds of circumstances where you certainly want to enter in and pray for your brothers and sisters. Um, there's a uh, – you know, there's plenty of articles out there. The Gospel Coalition has a, a helpful article. It's got some suggested prayer requests. Uh, nothing that's – you know, earth-shattering in the sense of things you wouldn't necessarily think about, but in terms of you know God's protection over His people, uh, openings to preach the gospel in the midst of great suffering and mm-hmm. and, and unrest, um, how to best serve people in need, wisdom for leaders and and pastors, and you know how do you how do you care well for your flock in the midst of these kinds of horrors? So, just I think. Something that it would be wise for us to uh, lead with prayer on these things and maybe dial back on some of the hot takes when it comes oh, yeah. to um, you know feeling like we have to tie everything to our own cultural or political narratives that we like. And again, please hear me clearly. That's a shot at both sides, <laughs> both extremes. <laughs> yes. Because um, both, both extremes are doing it. So um, – but yeah, just find ways to be mindful and and, and pray specifically for uh, our Ukrainian brothers and sisters. And I also point out there have been protests in cities in Russia against the war. 
yeah. in both St. Petersburg and in Moscow. Um, so, you know, I, I think it can it can be easy to make the knee jerk reaction of Russia bad, and obviously, you know, Putin is the aggressor here. But at the same time, you have some of the Russian people who are like, we don't stand for this. We we don't want this. So and they they are going to suffer as well. Exactly. And, and yeah. The, you know, we're I think the West generally is trying to squeeze. Putin a little bit, but I think in squeezing Putin, you squeeze a lot of a lot of Russian citizens. There's going to be collateral damage, just as yeah. there is in like actual carrying out of physical warfare. Carrying out of economic warfare is also going to bring about um, the uh, the suffering of people on the streets. You know, when you yeah. have economic suffering. So, all right. Again, no easy way no to No easy way to move on, yeah. so we're just going to do it. Uh, we wanted to revisit a topic that we've talked about, I think, early, early in, in the history of the pod. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is the benefit of learning and, and I would say also maintaining and using the biblical languages. Yeah. Uh, and again, obviously, you could say, well, you guys are biased. Well, sure we are. We both teach Greek. Mm-hmm. So, but we wouldn't do it if we didn't think it didn't have value. Yeah. So maybe we'll start with, um, why don't you share a little bit, John, about your own experience as a student first in learning the biblical languages? So uh, I started Greek my senior year of college. You were my professor. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you remember that, uh, that class specifically. Yeah. Uh, That would have been the fall of 2009. Okay. I think I was in there with uh, uh, Newhart and Copeland. Yeah, do you remember? Th- <laughs> yeah, you remember that group? I do. I do yeah. Anyway, uh, so I took Greek. I came in horrified. Like I didn't. I know. I had no idea what I was getting into. I just had no basis for what I was doing. I could. Yeah. So uh, I was totally fresh, learning the alphabet, all these things. Mm-hmm. Was horrified. F- getting a few lessons into it, I think, gave me some confidence that it that. If I took the time and did the vocabulary, yeah. did a good job memorizing the paradigms, that I I could do it. You know, I could make my way through Greek uh, and not just do okay, but but excel. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, yeah, that's that's what it was like initially learning it for me. It was yeah. it was an intense fear and horror. And I wasn't, uh, you know, I kind of like looked under the bed and realized the monster wasn't really that scary. <laughs> okay. How about how about yourself? What yeah. was it like? Well, my experience was a little different in the sense that um, I took two years of Greek at a public university, so learning more holistically ancient Greek. Sure. Not just uh, Koine Greek, which is the specific dialect taught or sorry spoke and written in uh, the time of Jesus. So. Um, in some ways, that helped. And in other ways, that was a challenge. But um, I, I was not a great language student. I was a good language student, but not a great language student. And it was something that didn't come super easy to me. Like I mm. wouldn't say I, I struggled, but I also wasn't like, oh, it just came instantly to me. I didn't have to work at it. So yeah. um, so I, I, I can still identify with uh, students from the perspective of you got to work at this a little bit and it's not necessarily there's going to be some who just are naturals who just mm-hmm. 
have good language brains and just it, it clicks and others who don't have good language brains and it's it's a dogfight. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, let's think a little bit about um, why, why do you think the biblical languages are valuable? And, and maybe I'll just say we're talking biblical languages. We're, we're going to focus probably a little bit more on Greek just because obviously that's what we teach. Sure. But uh, we gladly affirm the value and importance of of Hebrew as well for the Old Testament. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, so what what does Greek do for us? Um, I, I do think there, there is a sense in which uh, Greek, uh, oh goodness, uh, forces us to step into the shoes of somebody else, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, like as we read something in English, we bring with it a, a set of biases and uh, uh, and a set of lenses that um, we, we read something a certain way and it causes us to go by really, really quickly. Yeah. And I think being able to try to like put on uh, first century shoes, so to speak, and and walk around in sort of their world in that language does teach us about their language in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, one of the ways I think this, uh, as I've been sitting in your Sunday school class, the past, gosh, what is it, six, eight months now? Yeah, since September. Uh, is how much you, Luke, where you know we use the word complete, mm-hmm. Luke will use the word fulfill. Mm-hmm. It's a very different sense yeah. uh, to it, you know. Yeah, um, it's it's his, I would say, not so subtle way, but things that get lost in translation sometimes, of reminding the reader that this is part of God's plan that's working itself out. Um, so I think, yeah. I, and, and that leads me to a second t- sort of a corresponding benefit is that there are just things you cannot see in translation mm-hmm. that you see in the original languages. Uh, and even the best of English translations that will try their, that will try to bring that out can't always consistently bring out connections within a text. Um, so one example that I thought of, and this will be throwing a bone to our uh, to the Old Testament folks, is um, when it comes to Genesis 16, the story of um, Abram and Sarah uh, using Hagar to pr- try to produce the child of promise. Mm-hmm. There is a such a emphasis in that passage on words that are connected to the idea of sight. Hmm. And that idea is repeated throughout. But just by the nature of English translation, you don't always get to see that that's what's going on. But if you're reading through it in the Hebrew, you begin to see, oh, my goodness, there's all these uses of the verb communicating the idea of sight. And that's Hmm. just a helpful uh, window into what's going on, that, that God is the one who sees what's going on and is sovereignly uh, superintending that. Um, and there are obviously examples in the in in the New Testament as well. I'd say related to that is oftentimes you can see more clearly the structure of a passage yeah. when you're working through it in the original language as opposed to an English translation. And that can give you a window into what the author is emphasizing in a passage. Mm-hmm. I, I find that, you know, I'm teaching right now uh, Greek exegesis one, and we do chunks of Philippians in there. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you work through uh, Philippians two, one through four, it's a it's a whole 
it's, it's a kind of a big if-then statement is a big chunk of that. But then there's this whole list of um, participles that uh, that come into English in a lot of translations that can just kind of look like this series of do this and don't do this and do this and do this and don't do that. And, but when you study it in Greek, you realize that all of those are actually telling you what it looks like to have the same mindset. And so it's not just this random collection of things that are nice to do and not nice to do. Hmm. But it's a – no, the idea here is this is what it looks like to have the mindset of Christ ultimately. Hmm. And these are the five or six different ways that that works itself out. So even in a preaching and teaching context, I can help you kind of organize and say this is what the author is really emphasizing rather than just looking at a block of text and going, well, what do I like best out of that? I'm really into this. There we go. That becomes the – so I sort of make a whole uh, lesson or message out of that when really that's not even the main point of the passage. Yeah. So, so the languages help you see, I think, what the main emphasis of a passage is. Yeah, and I, I think it help, It does help us cut through the clutter of our own brain, right? Yeah. Uh, preconceived notions, things that we want to place on the text. It does help us cut through that. Absolutely. Another thing I would add is the fact that um, – it forces you to slow down in otherwise familiar passages. Mm-hmm. You know, being familiar with the biblical text in an English translation is a good thing. So please don't misunderstand what I'm saying here. But you can come across passages where you're like, I've read this how many times? A dozen times? 25 times? Yeah. 50 times as I read through the Bible or it's just a f- well-known familiar passage. And then you slow down and you read it in the original language and you, you begin to see things. You begin to notice things that a quick blitz through reading doesn't reveal. So even at a minimum, even if you're not going to take all of this extensive time to dig into the original languages, even just forcing yourself to slow down to read it in the original language mm-hmm. can often be very illuminating to help you see things that you've not fully recognized or even appreciated in, a pre, in previous times reading a text. And uh, yeah, I think that's absolutely true. That's something that we talk about in Greek 1, that, that slowing down is really a good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say it's getting easier and easier to study the, to study the original languages, maybe than it was 15 or 20 years ago. Yeah, we, we've never lived in a time period where, there, where it's been easier. Mm-hmm. The, the number of resources available, both um, print and digital – is just remarkable when it comes to this. So ultimately, I would say there's really – there is no excuse if you're an English speaker. There's really no excuse other than you are unable or unwilling to devote the time to do it. And I think that's the hurdle, right? It takes consistent daily time. Yeah. Uh, and there's no uh, there's no substitute for that. There's no shortcuts. Yeah, I I might qualify the word daily, and just say <clears throat> regular. Okay. Um, you know, for example, I think if you devote even a few times a week, where you open your Greek New Testament or your Hebrew Old Testament, and try to read for ten or fifteen minutes, that can go an enormous way. Oh yeah to uh, helping you maintain and use it. Um, I know we regularly tell students one of the best ways to maintain it is to use it in the context of teaching or studying. 
So if you have opportunity to lead a Sunday school class or a small group even to take the time to read through your passage in the original language and, and work through it and see what's there can be just a, a simple way of trying to keep up with it. Mm-hmm. And as you mentioned earlier, there's there's never been more resources available yeah. to to help you with this. Um, just I think I mentioned this in our first episode of this year in terms of setting out one of my goals was to kind of refresh my Hebrew. Yeah. So I've picked up where I left off in terms of reading the um, – trying to read, depending on the length of the psalm, a psalm a day in Hebrew hmm. with a reader's Hebrew edition where I'm looking at the footnotes to help me see unfamiliar vocabulary and things like that and having an English text handy nearby to be able to say, okay, even though I think <laughs> I know the words, I'm not putting this together. Yeah. Let me yeah. check. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's paying off. It you know it it gets a little easier as you invest more time in it. Are you still doing? Do you still do vocabulary cards for Hebrew? On occasion, I don't do them consistently. I I need to. Um, I, I've explored. There's an app that that I need to to sort of set up to work on that to to get the. Uh, I think it's the, it's the Bible vocab app. I think I. Um, I think I recommend this for Greek. Yeah. yeah. So I think yeah, um, Bible Bible vocab plus plus okay mm-hmm. yeah. So that tends to be the one of the big barriers for people is the vocab. Just oh yeah, it's frustrating when you have to look up every other word. Um, but Bible vocab plus, by the way, if you're if you're a Greek, uh, if you've taken Greek or feel like you got a good mm-hmm. grasp of it or Hebrew, you can actually set up passages in there as well. They have yeah. a number of textbooks that you could that correspond to chapters in there that you can use, but they yeah. also have passages where you can say. I want to know the vocabulary 25 times or less from this book of the Bible. Right. You can do it that way. Yeah, that's great. If you're studying a particular book of the Bible or maybe your pastor's preaching through or you're, if you are doing the teaching through a book where you could set up the vocabulary and say, OK, I just need to hammer away at the vocab of this particular yeah. book of the Bible. That can be really helpful. Um, and I think too – Having a working knowledge of the biblical languages also opens up a whole range of tools for you that otherwise are harder to use. Mm-hmm. Whether it's commentaries oh, or yeah, other absolutely. sorts of resources that if you just have a working grasp of the language, you're going to be able to use a wider range of, of resources to help you understand the biblical text. Yeah, I, I agree. I think being able to at least be – conversant mm-hmm. in yeah. not the text itself but but in yeah. like the language of original languages uh, you can you can do quite a bit of reading and a quite a bit of study yeah and I think uh, one thing that as we're maybe thinking about if you're sitting there thinking okay I took Greek I took Hebrew but it was years ago and I've basically feel like I've lost it or almost lost it um, how do I get restarted well um, one thing that can be super, super helpful is try to find a buddy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you're not just trying to do it on your own. Um, that And I mean we encourage that as students are going through their language learning here for them to meet up out, outside of class and work together on homework and studying to help each other out and, and, and brainstorm to, to, to labor together in those ways. Do homework in groups. Yeah. Um, meet. For each homework assignment, meet twice 
do half of it, go away, mm-hmm. come back together, do the second half so you have to relearn it again. You know, that can, that can always be really, really good. I'd also say uh, the Daily Dose websites are coming yes. out with some great stuff. Uh, yes. So Daily Dose of Greek, Daily Dose of Hebrew. Uh, they send you a two-minute video every day breaking down a single verse. Yeah. Really handy. And that's, like you said, you can sign up for their email updates and it's in your email inbox every morning. Every, every weekday morning. Every weekday there's morning. One, there's one for the weekend, I think. So yeah, usually a little bit different, pointing out yeah. a resource or something like that. Yeah. So even just watching those two-minute videos can be a great way of keeping keeping your languages uh, somewhat fresh. But there's just no substitute for working in the text yourself, mm-hmm. um, whether it's for prepping to teach or, or, or whatever you might be doing. But yeah, I think um, – and it's worth it. You know, absolutely. It's it's worth it. It's hard work, absolutely. But uh, there are just things that you see in the biblical text that are not going to be available to you uh, just reading through translation. Having said that, obviously, we're blessed in English. There's a lot of good translations. Mm-hmm. But there's just no substitute for working in the original languages. Absolutely. Sure. Uh, we've got uh, some articles that we'll link to in the show notes that touch on some of these reasons we've talked about. But uh, I think it's time for us to move on to this day in sports history. Yeah, so March 1st. Happy happy March 1st, everyone. Yeah. Uh, 1969, uh, on this day, uh, the New York Yankees' Mickey Mantle announces his retirement uh, due to a knee injury persisting. Finishes 18-season career with 536 home runs and almost a 300 average. Yeah. That's like unheard of today. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, all or nothing today, right? Uh, 93, uh, the Yankees – why are we so much so Yankees just, heavy today? Just read the rest of it. Uh, George Steinbrenner is reinstated as general partner of the team and he was banned because of his relationship with convicted gambler Howie Spira? I think so. See, it's negative. I know you're not. It, I'm not a George Steinbrenner fan. George is getting angry. George is getting. <laughs> that um, was low key a a good sort of minor character on Seinfeld. Oh, absolutely. The, the George Steinbrenner uh, played character. by Larry David, I believe. Was it? I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Ninety six. Atlanta's Lenny Wilkins becomes the first coach in NBA history to reach one thousand career victories when the Hawks beat the Cavaliers, seventy four sixty eight. Okay. Not a great offensive game, 74-68. No, no. Though, I mean, when was that? I mean, it's the 90s yeah. where it was basically football on a basketball court. They've, yeah. they've changed how they play and officiate since then. Uh, 2009, Stephen Holcomb pilots USA one sled in the four-man competition at the World, World Bobsled Championships in Mount Vaughn. Hovenberg, New York. Did I get that right? <laughs> I, I Sure. <laughs> uh, first American win in the event in 50 years. Okay. Man. Yeah. And that's all we got. Uh, yeah. It was a uh, it was a thin day in sports history, March 1st, apparently. Yeah. Um, who do you like? Um, I mean, there's very few actual – I mean, the, the – The bobsled. The bobsled's the, really the only athletic achievement. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean – I wouldn't – I mean the coaching thing is an athletic achievement. Uh, sure. You know, 
But I'd be fine with going with the bobsled. I mean, my guess is we're probably not going to have too many more opportunities. You don't think we'll dip into like the Jamaican bobsled team? and Probably not. I mean, I think every January and February we'll have a shot at bobsled just on okay. how dates fall because of the Olympics. But uh, I'm, I'm, re- I'm willing to go with the bobsledders. Sounds good. One thing you liked. A little recency bias there. Yeah, well. Anyway. Um, I've been listening to a podcast the last couple of weeks. I think it was new in the new year. Uh Plain English. Have you heard of this? I don't think I have. So it's a Ringer podcast uh, with uh, Atlantic author Derek Thompson. Okay, uh, it's a it's a what good they one. Talk about. Um, well, he does. He, he'll have a sports episode every now and then, but mostly it's current events, politics, things like that. Okay, and he, he's usually a pretty balanced take kind of guy. I always appreciate Derek. So, plain English with Derek Thompson. Plain English. Okay. I'm going to go with a recent uh, kind of murder mystery book I read by Peter Swanson called Eight Perfect Murders, Ooh. which uh, sort of uh, – got to be careful giving too much away. But basically there's this guy that owns a bookshop who you know, years before a series of crimes starts to take place wrote a, a blog post hmm. of the of eight perfect murders in fiction. And so uh, – you know, going through murder mysteries and p- picking out eight murders and calling them, you know, perfect murders, basically. Well, then somebody begins to actually commit very similar murders, like that person is working through the list of eight oh. uh, perfect murders. Yep, is that that's it? it. That's it. Oh, yep. Man. So it's unscribed. Yeah, it's unscribed. So, um, yeah, I, I, uh, I, I've been on a roll in terms of reading kind of murder mystery thriller kind of stuff. Uh, just leisure reading. So, yeah, I've enjoyed it. Um, I might have another one, not a murder mystery book, but I just started an audio book uh, today that I think might end up as a one thing I like down the road. Okay. So we'll see if it pans out. But All right. We have talked uh, some uh, spring break trips, right? Yeah. We, we talked mystery trip. We talked – uh, college basketball. We talked tournament challenge. A reminder: you can sign up already for our yep. NCAA tournament bracket challenge through the Yahoo website. We'll have the link in. And the... are we giving away one of your books? Is yeah, we'll the... do it. Okay. It's fine. Sounds great. It's fine. We'll give away a signed copy of one of my books. Wow! And maybe this year someone will win it besides one of us. I mean, it'd be I, kind I, of ironic if I won it this year. So <laughs> yeah, I, I hope to win again. I'll, I'll say that. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. You know, my sons, my, my sons will participate, and they'll be like, "That's not really much of a gift, Dad." <laughs> but you know, some people might find it. They would would enjoy a copy of one of my books. So uh, we talked that. We, uh, on a more serious note, talked about the situation in Ukraine and uh, reminder to pray. We've talked about the benefit of learning and maintaining the biblical languages. We've talked about the American bobsled team. And we've talked about a podcast John likes and a book that I like. So I think by definition, we have covered our various and sundry topics. Are you ready to call Mission Accomplished? I think so. Okay. So that means that all that's left to say is until next time, the Lord bless y'all real good. Later. Later.